Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Hope you've had an awesome, awesome day. Um, so far, this morning when I woke up, there were two things that immediately went to my mind. Uh, one was, um, it's raining outside, it's cold. I just really wanted to get back in the bed. Did it, can anyone else testify? But you didn't. You got up like a good follower of Jesus and you came to church. All of those of you joining us online from your homes, some of you even from your beds, uh, shame on you on that. I'm just kidding. We're glad you're with us this morning. So I thought that I was like, this would be like the perfect morning to sleep in and just to relax and all that kind of stuff. But we got to worship Jesus and got to get together with God's people. The second thing I thought as I walked outside is I'm so ready for spring to come. Can anyone testify to that? Like ready for this winter, this long winter that's just different every week, whether it's like ice or snow or rain or cold, and then it's like 80 degrees one day, and then it's not the next day and stuff. I'm just ready for that to be over and so forth. If today is your first time at First Charlotte, we're glad that you're here. We would love to connect with you. Uh, we'd love to give you a gift today. And so before you leave, stop by one of our tents outside, and we would love to do Chick-fil-A for you this week. So stop by there, pick up that gift. Let us meet you just for a second. Uh, give you a little uh, information on how you can get connected here at our church. And if you're joining us online and are new, same thing to you. There's a number on the screen. Text the word connect, and we would love to connect with you, mail you that gift uh, this week. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn them to the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms verse chapter 27 is where we're going to be this morning. So over the past several uh, weeks, we've been in a series called, called, called Desperate. And one of the things that often leads us to desperation leads us to being desperate for God and wanting Him to move and wanting Him to act in our life is fear. Our moments that we're afraid, moments that things are out of our hands and things are overwhelming, moments that we wouldn't wish on ourselves, moments that we didn't ask for, moments that, to be honest with you, we're, we're afraid. Now, all of us face fear in one shape or another. All of us have certain things that we're afraid of. In fact, this past week, I came across a uh, 12, top 12 things that people are afraid of, okay? So in descending order, universally, number 12 is ghosts. People are afraid of ghosts. Number 11, clowns. Anyone here afraid of clowns? Uh, number 10, darkness. And then zombies. Some people are still afraid of strangers is next. Others are afraid of flying. Others have a fear of tight spaces, claustrophobia. Any of you claustrophobic and just get a fear and anxious about moments like that? Some of you I know have this fear. You're afraid of blood and needles. Fear of drowning. And then this is a big category. This third category, bugs, snakes, and animals of any kind, of other kinds. Like if you're scared of animals and snakes, all of us should be afraid of snakes. They are of the devil, and as well as cats. You just can't trust the cat, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fear of heights is the second most the thing that most people, that people are scared of. And then number one, the number one thing people are afraid of is public speaking. Is any of you are afraid of that? To be honest with you, I am too, but I get paid to do it every week, so it's just something I've had to work myself through and stuff like that. No, really, it is something I'm afraid of, but, but then there's real fears. There's things that, you know, that we're afraid of, and, but then there's, there's things that we face. You know, we come to times in our life where we fear our safety. Certainly, there's a 
millions of people in the Ukraine right now afraid for their safety and for their lives. Very real fear that comes. Reasonable reason to be afraid. We fear the future. We don't know the future and we don't know what the future holds. We don't know the stability that we have in our future. We don't know the health of our future. We don't know the job stability that we'll have in our future. We fear the future. And then there's a whole new thing today like internet related fears. Things such as identity theft for, for, for some, the fear of government surveillance. There's fear of something that's always been around, the fear of criminal victimization. It's been around since the beginning of mankind. It's the fear of humans doing what humans do and hurt people and, and do things to us and so forth. We fear that. We fear failure. Afraid of, fall, afraid of falling flat on our face. Afraid of attempting something or doing something, not being able to do that. I think that's a great fear in many men. We're afraid of failure. Fear of, uh, of rejection for some. For others, fear of commitment. For some, because of relationships gone bad, fear of a close connection with someone or a fear of an intimacy and an intimate relationship with someone. There's, there's fears that are, are valid and real. And I want to tell you this morning, like, fear is not a bad thing. It's a real thing. It's something that universally, at some point in our lives, each and every one of us have our own degree of it and our own type of it that we have. In fact, as we look at the Bible and as we go through the pages of the Bible and as we see the different characters of the Bible, every one of them fought and dealt with fear. We're in really good company. We're in biblical company when we face and deal with and have fear in our life. It is okay to be fearful. It is okay to be afraid. It's not a sin to have fear. But it's not okay to live in fear. If we're not careful, fear can dominate our lives. Fear can control our lives. Fear can stunt our life, stall us out. Fear can lead us down the wrong path in life. Fear can cripple us to a place and point that we're not going to experience what God really has for us. Fear is a reality. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing. But over and over and over in the Bible, as people faced and dealt with fear, we see that for some, their fear led them to the feet of God. Their fear led them to a journey that increased their faith and slaughtered their fear. You see, fear is something that can cripple you or fear is something that can build you. And when we take our fear to God, and when we allow him to let faith in him rise up, it overcomes our fear. I want to take you to a psalm this morning, Psalm 27, where David clearly was dealing with fear. There was something happening in David's life. David was a character that dealt with fear many times in his life from the very beginning of his journey when we find him to really the very end of his life. It was constantly this story of facing giants that he was afraid of and that were bigger than him, facing family matters and issues, facing uh, uh, other people that were trying to kill him numerous times in his life. He was a guy that was well acquainted with fear and he writes a lot about it in the Psalms. 
And Psalm 27 is a psalm that we see him allowing his faith to rise up over his fear, his faith to conquer his fear. There's several things in this psalm that I want to draw your attention that God has given us as tools in our fight of fear. One of those tools is praise. We see that in this psalm. Another tool that we have is the presence of God. And another tool we see, prayer. All things that God has given us to battle fear. And so David begins in Psalm 27, verse 1, and he says and he declares, he praises. He begins with praising this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Now David wouldn't say, and he wouldn't bring up, whom should I be afraid of, or whom should I be afraid of, if there wasn't something in front of him that was fearful or scary. Certainly David was talking from experience, and he wasn't just saying this, you know, in, in a church setting where we just praise and we say the right things. David had been through it, David had faced it, and likely as David penned this psalm, he was staring down the barrel of something terrifying in his life. And his response in that moment is a response of praise. Praising God for who he is. For his character, he says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. All throughout the Bible, God has spoken of his light. And there's two primary things that it means God is light or that he is our light. And the first one is a really easy one. It makes a lot of sense. He's good. God is good. And we believe that and we say that. David is praising God for his goodness. Because he knows that no matter what comes my way, no matter what I face, God is still good. That even though what I face is bad, God is still good. And that God will do good for me. And that my God is good. He is not evil. He is not bad. He is good. And closely with that, he's holy. We live in a world of imperfection, and it is very often that the imperfection of this world are what cause us to fear and be afraid, the things that don't go right and that don't go well. But God is perfect. He is perfectly good. He is righteous. He is holy. There is nothing wicked or evil. There's no glimpse of darkness in him. This is what the Apostle John declared in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Have faith in the character of God. You can't have faith in people's character. You can't have faith that the situation is always going to work out the right way, and things are just going to unfold perfectly in your life. That's what causes us these moments of turmoil and difficult is because there's so much we can't have faith. But you can have faith in the God who is our light and who is our salvation. He is a saving God. He is a delivering God. This speaks of his grace and his love. And because he is the saving God, he is the stronghold of my life. And that is the absolute truth for us as followers of Jesus. 
That God has displayed his salvation for us in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, he has literally ripped us up from hell and death and sin. He has given us light and taken away the darkness. He has saved us. And that truth of the gospel of Jesus is the stronghold of our life. That no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, whether our lives are taken away, it cannot take away the foundation of our salvation. The eternal life that we have ahead. The fact that you can call me names, you can take away things in my life, you can take away my health, but you cannot take away this relationship that I have with God through Jesus Christ. You cannot take away the fact that I am saved, that I am righteous in God's sight, that I am eternally destined, and that his promises are over me and will be fulfilled in me no matter what. He praises him. Praise is an incredible tool over fear. But oftentimes, that's not what we do. Instead of praising him for who he is, letting our minds be drawn back to who God is, we don't start out with him like this. We start out in our complaint. We let our minds and our hearts and our lives be dominated by what we can't do or what we're facing rather than drawing our attention to him. And his strength and his stability and his dependability and his goodness and his salvation. And that really when you have him and he is for you, what is there to fear? What is there to fear? And that's exactly what David declares in verse 2. Like he declares this praise and his faith in the character of God and who he is and praises him. And then he says, so when evildoers assail me, when it happens and bad people come against me and eat up my flesh, like they actually defeat me and beat me. And when my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp around me. Though I'm completely surrounded, there's no way out. There's no good news in this situation. There's no way out of this moment, out of this situation, encamped around me. My heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I'll be confident. Why? Because of who his God is. Because of the character and the nature of his God. You want to overcome fear? You, You want to... You want to go through fear in your life and battle in fear and get over those things. It it begins with praising God for who he is. Like when we come to worship, part of what we're doing in here is just that. It's rousing ourselves. It's making ourselves do what is unnatural for us to do. It is putting our problems aside and focusing our minds and our hearts on him and just declaring it together. Just declaring what we know to be true. That he is good and that he is light and that he is holy and that he is perfect. And even though I don't feel it right now and maybe I don't necessarily believe it at all the times in my life. I'm with a group of people who I'm together shouting and proclaiming and singing that. This is not a game. Worship is, praise is a medicine, a remedy for the garbage that we face in life. It draws our minds to the character of who he is. And drawing his mind to the character of who he is takes him to where he goes next. Verse 4. 
Notice this. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek. Now, time out here. So Psalm 27 of the past couple months is a psalm that I've come to over and over and over again. And personally speaking, one time I came to this and it just kind of hit me to sit on that right now. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek. And I thought about that for a second. David is saying there is one thing, there is one and only thing that I'm asking of God. This is the first and foremost thing of God that I'm going to seek, that I'm going to want. And I thought to myself, like, if I had one prayer that God would answer, like he said, I, I will answer. If you will ask me this right now, I will answer one prayer to pray, what would that be? What would it be for you? If you had one prayer you could pray, one thing you could ask God for, like right now, what would you ask for? What would you ask God to do right now if you knew that he would answer right now? What is the one thing? And as I began to think about that, many things came across my mind. Like what would that be? That would be, be a big thing. Like would I ask him the answers to some of my questions that I've got? Like, I'm really puzzled with this. I need an answer for that. Would I ask him for, for something in my life? Would I pray a prayer for someone else? Would I ask him to do something for someone else? Or would I ask him to do something for me? Would I ask him for a billion bucks? Would I ask him for world peace? David's request was this. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire of his temple. You know what hits me when I see this? Is that David's greatest longing in his life. The one prayer, the one thing that he was after, that he was seeking, is oftentimes the last thing that I'm seeking. Oftentimes the one thing that I'm seeking and that maybe you're seeking is an answer to your problem. It's for God to fix something for you. And thus we put our problems before his presence. Realizing that the closer we are to him, the nearer to us that he is, realize that's all he needs, all we need. That it overcomes all the things that we're facing. That no matter what I'm going through, if I have him and if I'm near him, I have all I need. Presence. See, fear will convince you to run from God. It'll, it'll convince you to be angry with him and frustrated with him. But faith drives you to God. It takes us closer to him. And we realize that the nearer I am to God, the better off I am no matter what. 
presence. David was well acquainted with this thought in his life. In Psalm 23, verse 4, he said, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. God promised in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Grab onto that right hand. A few months ago, I was traveling back uh, to Charlotte from somewhere, from a meeting I was in, and um, it was a flight that I had booked really late in, um, you know, just a week or so before the trip, so I didn't get to pick the seat I wanted to pick. My favorite two seats in a plane are the window or the aisle, but I detest the middle because, like, you got nowhere to go when you're in the middle, and I'm, I'm kind of a big guy, and so I like, I like to make other people feel like I'm a big guy, but when you get in the middle, you can't, like, just, like, sprawl out on everybody. Like, you're, you're confined to this right here, this right here, and your armpits begin to sweat, and it's just a miserable situation and stuff, just being honest. So, um, so I got the middle aisle, and it, and it was one of those miserable moments. So I, I went, you know, I got on, and there were two people already there, and there was a, a gentleman who was bigger than me, great, and then there was a woman on the other side, and I'm going to give her her space. I'm not going to encroach her space and so forth. And so anyway, I, I realized that the best thing I can do in this situation is just try to fall asleep. And so we began to take off, and I began to try to fall asleep, had my earphones in and stuff. And then one of my favorite things to happen in an airplane happened. And it may not be your favorite thing, but it's my favorite thing, is turbulence. I love turbulence. It like makes an adventure out of the whole thing. Or it feels like someone's rocking you to sleep. So it's either like terrifying and fun or, or it's, a, it's, a, it's a sleep rocker. And so I was determined at this moment to let this turbulence kind of like be like I'm rocking to sleep. And it was working. And then it got a little bit more violent. And I was like, this is so great. I'm falling asleep. I'm being rocked right here. And all of a sudden, on my right arm, someone grabs it and clings to it. And I look over and it is this, this older woman. And she is terrified. And I, I look at her like, what are you doing? And then I think to myself, lady, how am I going to help you? If we're going to die, we're going to die. And grabbing onto me is only going to get you there quicker. Because I'm heavy and I fall fast. So you're literally clinging to a rock, not the rock. You're clinging to a rock that is only going to get you to the ground quicker to splat even harder and so forth. And she says, I'm so sorry. I'm just scared. I said, well, I think it'll be okay. She goes, if you don't mind, can I grab onto your arm when I'm afraid? If it helps you, that's fine. So I got no sleep but my sweet friend made it safely to the ground that day. You and I have the right arm, the right hand of the almighty God to cling to. And when the turbulence of our lives happen, he offers us his arm to grab hold of. But that arm is different than any other arm. 
Because the arm that we grab hold of when we grab hold of his is the arm connected to the hand that is in control of everything. That is in charge of the moment that we're in. That at the twitch of his fingers can change and do anything. That arm created the heavens and the earth in just a few days. Knit you together in your mother's womb. That arm began and ends this world. And he offers that to us to cling to. He promises that I will be with you. I will walk with you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Have faith in his presence. No matter what you go through and what you're facing, he is with you and he is there before you, above you, behind you, below you, all about you and in you. He is there. It leads into this next thing. In verse 7, there is a turn in the psalm. So everything in verse 1 through 6 has been more of a praise and a worship of God, kind of like a declaration, like in the audience of people. So we're reading this, and it's, it's like we're hearing David sing and David worship. But in verse 7, David turns the audience and the direction and the tone of his voice and the direction of his voice to a different audience. The audience in verses 1 through 6 have really been us to hear, but in verse 7, his audience is God. David begins to speak directly to God. Verses 1 through 6, he has spoken about God. He has declared in our earshot what we could hear and we can know and we can grab faith. Maybe we could practice our lives like that and trust in the character of God and trust in the presence of God and have faith in him as a result of that. But here in verse 7, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. And my heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide me not. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. David turns in his trust in the character of God, in his trust and faith in the presence of God. He puts his faith now and he directs his faith through the channel of the power of prayer. And he's honest. Seek my face. Lord, you said seek my face. Here I am seeking your face. I'm coming to you. I'm crying to you. I'm begging. Be gracious. And Lord, please answer me. Don't hide your face from me. Turn your servant. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Don't cast me off. Don't forsake me. Be my God of salvation. I know you're going to take me in. David is honest about his concern. He directs his concern. He takes his fear to God. He takes his concern to God. Knowing the character of God, knowing the presence of God, he takes his his prayer to God. These three things work together. This praise of God's character, this trust in the presence of God, It's like prayer is the glue between these things. 
Because the very things that he declares in this prayer are the very things that he trusts in. You've said, seek my face. I'm seeking you, Lord. I want to be close to you. I want your presence with me, and I want your deliverance. I know there's nothing greater than you. I know that, that you're my light and my salvation, so help me. Don't cast me off. Don't throw me out. Don't leave me out. Your prayer is the glue. In this prayer, he asks God to lead him. He asks for God to show him his way. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path. Because of my enemies, give, give me not up to the will of my adversaries or false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. Leaves in prayer. God hears him. God will answer. This is really simple, y'all. Really simple. I, I can't make it any simpler than this. When you're afraid, think of who he is and praise him. When you're afraid, seek him. Run to him. Cling to him. Realize he's with you. And pray. Lay it out before him. You got a God you can trust. You got a God who is good. Lay your concerns before him. Take it before him. Lay it down. David says elsewhere in Psalm 34, verse, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. And then listen to the declaration in verse 13. This is the lesson for us. David. David praises and he seeks God. He prays before God. And then in verse 13 and 14, this is the lesson for us. It's almost like David concludes and he teaches us something here. I believe that I shall look on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This goes back, verse 13. I believe, I, I trust that I'm going to look on the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It goes back to the very thing that he declares in verse 1, that the Lord is my light and my salvation. So I believe he's good. And I'm declaring and praising he's good. And so now that he's dealt with his fear, he's taken his fear before the Lord. He has, he has allowed the Lord to bring his presence close to him. He has, he has trusted in the character of God and praised the character of God. And now David is out of fear and no longer fearing because he believes exactly what he declared, that God is good. And that God is going to do good for me. And I know it. And then here's the lesson. So... Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait on him. Why? Because of who he is. Because he is with you. Because he will act. And you ask. You trust him. Idea of wait. Faith. Trust in him. Trust in him. Trust in him. He will do good. He will bring you through. He will bring you close. He will act. 
according to his perfect and good will. You're part of that. Wait on Be afraid. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to trust you. There's so many things that we allow to take our eyes and our minds off you. Whether we are surrounded by clouds of darknesses or questions that we can't answer or decisions that are too difficult to make or crisis that just seems so overwhelming or the hurt and the pain that we're walking through. Or we're just so self-consumed going about our things and our life and our way God, I thank you for letting fear trip us up in that. I thank you for letting us get to these moments where we're a little overwhelmed. Where we can only go to you because there's nothing else. And in your goodness and your grace, you often bring us to these places. And thank you for that. Teach us to trust you. Teach us to take our needs before you. Teach us to lean upon your presence and grab hold of your arm. Show us who you are. May we believe it. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're walking through, what sort of fear you're walking about, what sort of cloud is around your life. Is it a decision? Is it pain from a relationship or from circumstance? You practice this. Praise Him. Put Him before your problem. Praise Him. Praise Him for His presence in your life. Praise Him that He's with you. Praise Him that He's good. Take your need before him. We move into a time of invitation. Friends, that's what we need to do in this moment. Praise him. To remind ourselves of his presence and to take our need before him. Would you do that in this time? In a moment, we're going to stand and sing and we're going to do just that with God's people in this room. Praise him. With God's people in this room, declare that he is with us. He is near to us. With God's people in this room, to, to take our need before him. This altar is for that. Lay it down before him. Our pastors will be here. We would love to pray for you and pray with you this morning. Voice that, and I know that there are people around you that would love to pray with you and pray for your need this morning. You respond in that way this morning. Others of you here today, It's time to give your life to Jesus. It's time to turn your life and the control of your life over to him. The truth is you never had control in the first place. Surrender control to the cross of Jesus and let him save you. Let him give you eternal life. Let him forgive you of your sins. Let him come and live with you and in you. We would love to talk about that and what that means in your life. Others of you, God may be calling you here to First Charlotte to be part of the faith family here. 
we would welcome you and be glad to have you. You come forward. We'll celebrate that and talk about what it means to be part of the family of First Charlotte. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We praise you for who you are, that you're with us, and that you take our need and give us good. In Jesus' name we pray.